This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, Happy New Year and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few minutes, we'll be joined by a pair of BC notaries who will talk to us today about a couple of different things that are also kind of connected, namely down payments for first-time homebuyers and wills. In our second hour today, Chris Sims, BC Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, will take a look ahead at all the new fees, levies, and taxes by any other name that are coming into effect in 2019. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Canada's jobless rate held steady at 5.6% in December as the economy added 9,300 jobs, but about the same number of people were looking for work. Most of the jobs were part-time StatsCan reported on Friday, as 28,000 new part-time jobs were added, almost 19,000 full-time jobs were lost. The numbers were slightly lower than the gain of about 10,000 jobs economists had been expecting. The jobless rate, meanwhile, remained at the lowest level on record, 5.6%, that is a 43-year low. This is an American survey, but the results apply equally here in Canada. According to the latest from Skyscanner, who analyzed data from 2016 and 2017, the cheapest month to book flights is January. Here are some more of their findings. Best time to book domestic flights? Two to three weeks in advance. Best time for booking international flights? Two months in advance. Best time of day to book a flight? 5 a.m. If you can believe it, worst time between 7 and 10 p.m. Best day to book either domestic or international flights and save money? Sunday. After January, the next best months in which to book a flight are either February or August. So now you know. So where will that next trip take you? Oh, and a few, you've probably heard about this, and if you haven't, this is what, this is where we're picking up on the flight thing. A few very lucky people may have snagged the travel deal of a lifetime this year. Cathay Pacific accidentally sold business and first-class tickets from Vietnam to New York for 675 bucks. They go usually for 16000 The Hong Kong-based airline said, Oops, we mistakenly sold business class seats on August flights for a fraction of the usual price, and they plan to honor their blunder. Although the tickets uh, sell for $675, prices for the same route, well, 16000 So happy 2019 to all who bought those very good surprise special tickets on New Year's, says uh, Cathay Pacific. Yes, we made a mistake, but we look forward to welcoming you on board with the ticket we issued you. New Year's is a time when many people make resolutions to lead happier, healthy, healthier rather, and more financially responsible lives. And retailers are ready to help you get there. Perhaps one reason you'll find discounts on a variety of fitness products in January. This is also a good month to find great sales and deep discounts on many other products at retailers as they unload remaining holiday inventory. Here are some of the products you'll find on sale this month. Treadmills, of course. Treadmills are the most popular workout machine 
machines, and there's an option for every budget and fitness goals. Ellipticals, also a deal these days. Elliptical exercisers are part stair climber, part cross-country ski machine. Unlike a treadmill, an elliptical constrains your movement. That's why it's especially important to test out the machines in the store before you buy one. Bathroom scales are also on sale. Rather, Today's digital scales track more than just your weight. They also offer additional information such as your body fat percentage, but you'll have to pay more for such features if indeed you're actually interested in that information. TV sets. If you didn't buy a new TV last year, the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl are a great time to find deep discounts. I know it's their Super Bowl, but Canadian retailers are all over this one too. This year, the game will be played on February 3rd. Also on the discount list this month, food processors and humidifiers. Oh, and those trendy compass wristbands we told you about early last month and which sold out in a matter of minutes are still being flogged on Craigslist for premium dollars. The actual cost? Six bucks. But sellers are asking anywhere between 50 and 100 for a wristband, which may or may not contain some travel money loaded in. TransLink reminds everyone, hey, there'll be plenty of new Compass wristbands in early February, and if you'd still like to pay, oh, just six bucks for one, hang in there for just a few more weeks. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at some more later in the show. But coming right up, you'll meet Akash Sablak and Daniel Boisvert, two BC notaries, one of whom happens to be the president of their association. And we'll open up our phone lines for your calls, too. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer, and you're on 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the program on this cloudy Saturday afternoon. Sterling Fox with you, joined in studio by a couple of BC notaries. Akash Sablak is with us from Vancouver. He is the past president of the Society of Notaries. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having us, Sterling. It's, it's a real pleasure, and thanks for making the effort to come in. appreciate that very much. Also joining us from South Delta to Watson is Daniel Boisvert, who is the current president of the BC Notaries Association. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Sterling. How are you? I am well, thank you, sir. Good. We appreciate Appreciate you coming in today as well. You bet, uh, but the two of you, just an open question. Whoever wants to field it first is welcome to it. You just released. It's only what January fifth. It's my birthday. It's it's also really early in the new year. And here we go with the 2019 BC Notaries Association Real Estate Report, province wide. All sorts of data involved. Very early in the year. Uh, Akash, why don't you give us some of the the executive summary here, the elevator uh, report? Well, happy birthday, Sterling. Thank uh, you. you know, you. Uh, maybe as a gift, we can give you a down payment on a house. How about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the report basically has come back and said that, uh, you know, what, what are the questions that first-time home buyers or even new buyers are, are looking for here um, in BC and, you know, in the lower mainland when they're, when they're buying their, ho- their home? Sure. And uh, what are the hindrances? What are the concerns? What are the, the, the roadblocks for them? And the biggest one, believe it or not, is not price, even though that's what everybody talks about. The biggest one is how do they obtain their down payment to purchase their home? Sure. And, uh, you know, the sources that are coming out is, of course, the bank of mom and dad, mm-hmm. um, borrowing from friends and, you know, just savings. And some of them are pulling money out of their RSPs. Those are the situations that, uh, that, are, uh, that are occurring now in Dubai. Are there also on that list, Akash, third-party lenders, as in non-banks, who deal with uh, these kinds of loans? So, so where the concern of that comes in is that the, the, the regular banks, uh, the charter banks, will not allow a second charge on the property. So you have that issue. 
And, and, oh. and yeah, a condition of your financing, of your approval is, is that you're not getting secondary financing. Whereas if it's from mom and dad, it's the gift from mom and dad. Okay. Now, Daniel, uh, it sounds, I mean, uh, I'm a parent. I know you're a parent. Your sons are right at the hockey game three yes, blocks from right. here right now. Yes, so, and all you want to do as a parent is the right thing by your kids. And in Canada's most expensive market, a lot of parents are doing what they feel to be the right thing. They're helping Johnny or Janie get a leg up into this ridiculous, absurdly priced housing market. Absolutely. So what are the pitfalls for moms and dads who decide, well, we're going to do the right thing. We got a, got a few dollars here. Maybe some people are taking second mortgages out on existing properties. Yes. Uh, that's a little dicey. So yeah. talk to us about what, the good and the bad of being uh, what you think, uh, what parents imagine themselves to be doing responsibly. Right. Well, the good news is, is that there are parents out there that are trying to help their children get into this market. Of course. To give them a home. So that's, that's the good news. Um, is it is it bad news? Well, it, it could be. So the question really is: is the gift of money? Is it really a gift? Is that a is that a gift? It's yours. If you if you lose it down the road, we don't care. Is it really a gift? So how do we or how do parents um, protect their their children? You know, and that investment that that gift or that investment that they're making in their children. Um, how do they document that? How, what's the paper trail for that? Mm-hmm. You know, what if there's a, a marriage? What if there's a breakdown in a marriage? All these sorts of things have to be taken into consideration. Right. And I think what needs to happen is that those conversations need to happen with their notary before they go out and they make offers and they start buying homes. Okay. You know, before they've committed to the money. You better sit down and have that conversation and just see what options are available. Akash, let me take the conversation back to, to fundamental square one. Because you're talking, uh, Daniel's just talking about, you sit down and have a conversation with your notary before you make these enormous commitments to yes. your offspring. What's the difference between a conversation with a notary and a conversation with a lawyer? Well, you know, the... Notary, as BC notaries, we uh, concentrate on real estate conveyancing. Uh, my own practice, 85% of my practice is real estate conveyancing, and okay. that's what I do day in, day out. So the conversations that we have with our clients is not only that particular transaction they're going to have, but what happens before that? What happens after that? What happens two years down the road? You know, are, are people going to stay there? I've had a situation where a client was saying him and his wife are buying a property. They're short on the down payment. So believe it or not, he's bringing in his sister-in-law to help purchase the property. So now it's him and his wife and his sister-in-law on title. And if everything's great, of course, everything's great. But when things start to to break down, not only is he dealing with a family matter with his wife or potential ex-wife, but now he's got a sister-in-law involved as well. So these discussions that we have about real estate is what we do day in, day out, is for now and for the future of what could happen. And it's just getting the document in order or, you know, depending on how you want to be registered on title, how things are going to play out later on. And, you know, uh, and again, back to the parent wanting to do the right thing, Daniel. Yes. Uh, and, and you start, you know, Akash is talking, well, you've got to establish a paper trail. There's, this has right. to be organized uh, and documentable. Correct. Uh, uh, and yet, you know, that's that seems contrary to some to be just give them a check and say goodbye. And then that's an option. It's just not an option. I don't think that either one of us uh, would recommend. Um, if you if you want to do that, if you want to gift money to your children, or it's it's a it's a gift with some strings attached, then it's those strings that need to have that discussion. Right. Uh, come in, meet with your notary, have that discussion, see what other options are available, and that way you're making a much more informed decision before you put a pen to a contract, and now you're now you're locked in. 
Akash, in terms of, of moves, good moves and bad moves that parents can make while trying to help their children get established in the housing market, what are the bad moves? You know, the bad moves it could be is that sometimes what you're doing is you're, you're, you're setting up the child for maybe a property that they cannot afford on their own, right. in a sense, besides the down payment. Because once you've made the down payment, especially if you're buying a condo, you have your, your monthly mortgage payments, you have your strata fees, for which these days can go up to $350, $400 a month. Easily. And then you have property taxes. And God forbid you have a, an assessment on your strata, that can be 20 Some 30. kind of special levy. Exactly. Yeah, right, right. So you need to prepare that child for not only, okay, you've got your down payment, but the ongoing expenses of that property. And with the market, you know, your value of the property, your, your one-bedroom condo is now 600000 mm-hmm. could drop to 500000 And now you're forced to sell or you need to sell. You now have negative equity in that property. Right. Okay. So, um, and there's no way of, of predicting no, the you market. Can't. You, you can't know that eight months from now in, in August, condos are going to drop 5% yeah. in price. We don't know that. Nobody knows. So how do you safeguard against those possibilities? Well, and, that, and that's where you need to make sure that you have your own, your own financial money, your own finances ready, you, your own monthly expenses ready to cover you in a situation like that. So you try to have as much equity as you can into the property of your own, of course, and you're buying smart property, and budget yourself. It's really important to not just be able to make them, that monthly mortgage payment, but the overall expenses that you're going to have on your property for the next few years. Right. Daniel, what about uh, just, you know, uh, talking, because Akash was talking about bringing other family members into the situation mm-hmm. and being uh, ending up on title. Right. What if mom and dad, as the bank, decide that not, we're, we're not going to just help by gifting you a certain amount of money uh, by way of a down payment, get you in the front door. We're going to go on title. We're going to ha- we're going to co-sign your mortgage, and that will enhance your credibility with the banking institutions and get you a mortgage, which right. on your own you're not likely to be able to do. Right, and that's that's very common. I mean, that happens quite often. So not only are mom and dad saying, "Okay, here's your down payment, and we're going to help you out," and the bank comes back and says. We also want mom and dad on the mortgage, too, because your income's not quite where we want it to be in order for you to handle this on your own. You know, uh, Does that surprise some moms and dads who, who, again, thinking they're doing the right thing, will go as far as giving you X amount of money, and then you're on your own? And then they come back to you and go, about, well, mom, the, uh, the bank needs your signature yes, here. It, I, think, I, I can't get a mortgage even with your generous down payment gift. Yes, it usually does come as, as a surprise. Ouch. But I, I think the issue again here is that the contract has been signed. You know the, you know the horse has left the barn. Yeah. So now they feel compelled that they're gonna they're gonna have to do what the bank is asking because the deal now is is in jeopardy if they don't close. So they sign what they need to sign and away they go. So that again brings me back to the let's have a conversation before we sign the contract. So right. you're, as your first time home buyer, you're, you're talking with your realtor, you're talking with your mortgage broker, your bank. Well, talk to your notary as well before things get too far. Just be organized. As well, as and, and I think it's, it, 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 that advice is going to resonate even more loudly these days because the, the chaos in the real estate market is over in Vancouver. No longer do you list a property at two o'clock in the afternoon and have 11 cars parked in front of the house by five and somebody's bought it by supper time. That's not happening anymore. Correct. Houses, condos, whatever the real estate property may be, they're being on market for a considerably longer period of time. Right. Things which have stabilized. For, which for the buyer, good Lord, you're talking in many cases seven figures and being in a situation where you get 15 minutes to make a decision whether you want to commit a million point whatever based on what? 
because it's a buying war. And you got to put on your helmet and get out there and write a check. Yeah, those, well, those days, days seem to be behind us. Fortunately, yeah. are gone. So again, the ability to have that all-important conversation, Daniel, there's time for that. Yes, now there there's is. breathing room in the process now. Yeah, correct. Do people recognize that, Akash? They absolutely do. And you know, um, sitting down with your notary in advance. It brings up these issues. I had a lot of clients when the market was crazy going, I would ask them, where's the inspection report? Oh, we never, we didn't do one because we, didn't have we, were, time. we were in such a rush. Yeah, I'm right, like, right. Well, okay, that's great. But you got asbestos in the paint. What are you going to do? And, you know, the alarm bells will go off, but there's nothing they could do. And sure. we're having that discussion now. And people are taking the time to do the inspection, do their homework. Because it is the biggest investment that you're going to do in your life. Absolutely. And, and that one discussion that uh, what you were talking about earlier, having family on, on title or having mom and dad on title, right. there's a big angle of that that people tend to forget. That mom and dad go on the title, they've put their money into it, and if, you, if it's not registered properly and one of the parents passes away, that part of the, the, the ownership of the title could go into their estate. So effectively, if one of the parents dies, mm-hmm. it's not that child who is on title with them. It, they could be sharing that property with their siblings now all of a sudden. Oh, because of whatever? Because it goes down from the parent's estate. Ah, and if the will had included other siblings uh, in terms of, uh, well, then they may end up, exactly, they may end up being on title. <laughs> However, reluctantly. Correct. Interesting stuff. So how do you begin the conversation, Akash? You're, you're just trying to do the right thing. You don't want to you don't want to, you know, treat your child like a person who, who could go to jail, but you need some organization and some order. We're talking at least half a million dollars and generally well beyond that. So we're talking serious dough. Absolutely. How do you start the conversation? Well, the the biggest part of it is what is the long-term goal on the property? You know, is it something that are the children going to be living here for a while? At at some point, will the parents be living in this property? Um, Will, you know, um, is is there an intent or any idea that the child might pay back some of the, the funds or at some point get their own mortgage? These are the questions that we would start off with. And then, of course, of what you're comfortable with, how how secure do you feel with the property? These are the things that we would discuss and give them their options. Really, at the end of the day, it is up to the, up to the client of what they'd like to do. Sure. But we, our, our responsibility as a BC notary is to give them the options of what they can do. And, and Daniel, how many people who come in to, uh, to sit down and investigate the process are unaware of all of the options available to them? Well, generally speaking, if we have a real preliminary conversation like that, their eyes are are getting wider and wider as as the conversation goes on. As they're as they're, you know, getting more knowledge about what they could be getting into, and that's that's what's so important, and that's what's so great about having that conversation. Now you have this knowledge. Now knowledge is power, and you can you now when you go into negotiate you can use that knowledge that you've just obtained from your BC notary. Okay, lots more on this coming up. And we really want to include our listeners in this conversation because it's that time of year, resolution time. Right. Uh, and, and well, you know, in 2019, we're going to get the kid a house. That's right. You know, and you know, we're going to get him married up and get him a house. Get him out of ours. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Lines are wide open right now if you'd like to jump in on this conversation. We'll take a break for the news and then we'll take your calls too. 604-280-9898. Again, 604 604-280- Our guest, Akash Sablak and Daniel Boisvert from the BC Notaries. I'm Sterling Fox, and this is Vancouver Consumer.
Uh, I guess it's my turn now. Uh, welcome back to the show. Sterling Fox with you at 2.35 on a cloudy Saturday afternoon uh, with a couple of guests from the BC Notaries in studio. Uh, Akash Sablak from Vancouver, Daniel Boisvert from Tuasin. Lines are wide open, 604-280-9898. We've been talking about, uh, among other things, we're going to talk about wills in a few minutes, but we've been talking about first-time home buyers and the bank of mom and dad. And as we look ahead, it's only early, early in the new year, uh, Daniel, during the news break, you were talking about spring, which is typically and traditionally the busiest time of year in the real estate business. Full stop. What do you think spring 2019 is going to be like in Metro Vancouver? Oh, goodness. There I'm on the spot now for predictions. Crystal ball. You know, I'm... I'm fairly bullish and positive on the spring. I think it's going to be a a, a busier spring, um, certainly busier than the fall was and the winter for sure. Um, I think that buyers and sellers are a lot closer together now. That's what I hear as far as being able to come to an agreement on price. And I think you're going to see a lot of products start to move in the spring. Okay. And Akash, would you agree with that uh, I, I do agree. And I think it's um, it's uh, many conditions that have brought it to that. I mean, um, there's some pent-up demand. Um, there's some natural movement that happens. People moving in and out of the province, people moving in and out of different areas of BC. Sure. That's going to happen. And, uh, you know, people have said, okay, you know, we, we've waited long enough to see what's going to happen. And, you know, as soon as the weather gets good, too, people say, well, time to move. Right. Now, one of the, one of the, actually, there are a few factors that have caused a lot of people uh, to, as you've both identified, to just take a, t- take a time out. Just park that dough and live where you are for, for a few more months and right. just let the dust settle because it's pretty weird right now as this is going back a few months. Yes. So now, what are the major factors? Uh, the stress test, Daniel, you said is way up there in terms of impediments to home buying. Yeah, I think that that has because it really it really robbed people of their buying power um, by having to be stress tested at a much higher rate than what they were actually going to be um, in reality paying. And uh, I mean that was by design that, that the government was was trying to create probably a soft landing, and that's probably what they did. If if we can give them that credit, but that stress test certainly um, took a lot of people. Um, and what they were looking at and their affordability in their range took them right out of a yeah. certain markets. It really robbed uh, a, a huge percentage of, of uh, particularly first-time buyers of their ability Correct. to get into the game. Thus, the conversation we're having today about the generosity of the bank of mom and dad, Akash, because Absolutely. somebody's got to step in and fill the gap, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have rising interest costs on one side. You have tougher restrictions to even obtain a mortgage on one side. And then it factored in with the, the pricing here in BC. Those three conditions really made it hard for first-time homebuyers. Well, and of course, in, in Metro Vancouver, we've had uh, additional uh, in, uh, impediments introduced by both provincial and municipal governments, as if one level wasn't enough. So we've got the uh, the uh, uh, the wealth tax, the, uh, the the school tax, and the empty MP. homes tax. Now, you told me a story during, during <laughs> yeah. the news. This is a great story. Here's a poor guy who's not, I don't know how wealthy he is, but here's a guy who's trying to sell his home. So rather than rent it out to somebody who may or may not take care of it while the selling phase is underway, he vacates the property and keeps it nice and clean and and spiffy for people to come by and and perhaps look out to buy. Tell us the story. Absolutely. So, you know, the first month he said, okay, I'll leave it empty. I'll decorate it nicely, list it, do some open houses, didn't sell. Month two, month three, now it's been about five, six months. And now here comes 2019 and he has to fill out a decoration for the city of Vancouver's empty home tax. And yet the property has been empty for six months because the poor guy's been trying to sell it. 
And so he now has to pay the empty home tax uh, assessment because the home's been empty for six months. Bizarre. So, so did, yeah. did he call City Hall and go, look, you know, uh, it's for sale. There's a sign on the front lawn. Yeah, he, he, for some reason, they will not get, grant him the ex- exemption. He has to pay the tax. So. Interesting stuff. What other impediments have you, uh, your fellow notaries around BC, noticed, by the way, Daniel, in terms of things that, that cause people to go, well, maybe not yet? Well, I mean, the empty homes taxes are really a function of the lower mainland because that's yes. where a lot of that goes on. Right. So, Rising interest rates in general, right. combined with the stress test, those two things sort of converge, I guess, if you will. And, uh, and they see it. When we looked at our study in our report, a lot of the main factors of this happen in the lower mainland. So in other parts of BC, they're not so concerned about pricing or qualification um, issues as much as we are. Sure. And that's simply related to the markets. Well, you can still buy acreage on Vancouver Island for under half a million dollars. And that includes a house and possibly even a barn, Akash. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, Vancouver, is we're, we're just in this really different little part of Canada that's we're, unique and we're expensive. We're in a place where everybody wants to live. Well, that's very that's true. Great. And that's a big part of, of the dynamic, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, and as you said, Akash, people, there's, there's this natural movement of human beings every year. Yes. And it's pretty safe to predict that 30,000 more people are likely to move to Metro Vancouver in 2019 as they did last year yes. and the year before. That's right. So that also creates, it keeps the, the demand level up. Up, correct. What about new housing starts and, and the industry keeping up with the demand or, as is the case in Toronto, are we overbuilt? Do we have empty stock that can't be filled? You know, this year in particular, for, for, for myself, uh, you know, last three months, I've had a lot of new pre- condo pre-sales that were bought two, three years ago now come to fruition. Those completions are now happening. Okay. And, uh, you know, part of the market is, is that we're doing a lot of condos, but a lot of those pre-sales are now complete. Those homes or those buildings are now finished and people are starting to move into them. So that is happening a lot. Now, with that, of course, there's a lot of building coming up right behind it. So there seems to be a lot of product, especially new newly built condos that are now coming into the market. Single detached homes, very few, especially here in the lower mainland, especially in Vancouver. There are fewer starts in the last six months than there have been before, simply because uh, builders are, are concerned. And on top of that, the building process in Vancouver is taking so long to get a permit and the cost of construction has gone up so much. What are the what are the dangers? of? And it's, I'm glad that uh, many of your clients who signed those uh, pre-sale condo agreements are actually moving in, getting a key to a front door and off they go. But it's not always the case. There have been the odd story about people who paid uh, a down payment and, and all of the uh, obligations that went along with the contract. And then halfway through the uh, building phase, either somebody went out of business or somebody ran out of money or, or the, everything went up and then the uh, people were required to pay more for the con- for the condo that they had agreed to at a certain price previously that doesn't happen very often but it does doesn't it it does but i think it's i think it's rare i mean i, I it's a it's a good story i guess when it comes out right. but it, it's not it's not normal most most buildings and and new projects complete 
uh, people complete on the contracts that they signed years previous and and they get what they what they bargained for. Okay. I, I want to move the conversation along to wills, but it'll come back to housing because it's a big <laughs> yes. part of everybody's <laughs> yes. will. Yeah. How many people in British Columbia don't have a will, Akash? Uh, let me put it the other way. Only 44% of people in, 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 a, in a survey that we did earlier in 2018, 44% of people have a will made, and out of homeowners, only 57% have. That surprises me. It's a very low number. And, and why? I think a lot of, um, uh, for a lot of people, the, the hardest part is where do we start? How do we start to prepare a will? And the easiest way is is to sit with a BC notary, sit down and discuss what do I have, who do I want to give it to, who's going to look after everything. Those are the three main points. And then from there, we expand on that. And once you get over that initial hurdle of how do I start, right. it all starts to flow. Interesting. Now, Daniel, most people, when they would go to uh, getting the will started, some people go to the drugstore and buy one of those kits or right. download something off some website to do-it-yourself will kit. Right. Uh, highly, highly dangerous. Right. Uh, very uh, very <clears throat> indefensible in, in a lot of court situations. So how many people even understand that a conversation about your will and your estate can be had uh, equally with a notary than uh, with a lawyer. Well, we certainly would like people to know that, that that's, that's available to them. Um, I get it. Uh, a lot of times people call me up and say, I, we're thinking about getting our wills done, what's involved. And I say exactly what Akash just said. We talk about those three main points. I said, just come in, sit down with me, and you'll see that it's not as daunting as you think. And I think that's the the one of the largest impediments for people doing it is they think it's a very daunting procedure. It's sure. going to take a lot of time and a lot of effort. And and really, in most cases, it, it doesn't. And, of course, there's also the nasty bit of business of confronting your own mortality, isn't there, Akash? When you make a will, you're talking about yourself in the past tense, because uh, all of this is about people who are going to be around after I'm not. And that's an uncomfortable moment for a lot oh, of people. It absolutely is. And I, you know, I had one client who was actually superstitious, and she did not want to get her will made. And she said, I'm going to get it made, I'm going to prepare it, I'm going to sign it, and the next day I'm going to get hit by a bus. Right, right, right. You know, it's been about 12 years since we've made her will, and, you know, we still talk to her, and she's around, so I think yeah. she's okay. <laughs> um, I, I think a lot of it is when people come in and, they, and they're, they start talking about these things, yes, it is a difficult conversation. But I just tell them, one thing. I said, here, you've worked hard for where you are today, right. for everything. You want to take care of your family. Here's your chance to, to say exactly what you want to happen. Right. Instead of you passing away without a will and having somebody else decide that for you. Here's right. your chance. Because if something happens to you, you can speak up and say, hey, no, no, that's not what I meant. This has to has to be the correct uh, version for you. And a big part of the will, Daniel, is, I mean, after all, you aren't going to be there. So right. your, your uh, appointee, the executor, will be your voice in the process after, after your demise. So how critical is, is that executor position? Right, it is critical. And, and really, the, the will itself is, the, is, is almost the voice, because that is your, your last will and your testament of what you want to have happen. So right. your executor is certainly there to carry it out. Right. But you know that will is your words of saying, this is what I want to happen. This is where I want this asset to go. This is who I want to look after my children mm. if they're still minors. Right, right. And that's you know these are these are critical, important things that need to be that need to be documented. And Akash, if you're one of those many apparently BC homeowners who doesn't have a will, 
and you pass on and there's a mortgage and a whole other bit of going on, what happens to all of that then? So when you're when you're getting your mortgage, you know, you have this discussion about life insurance yeah. and all those items. Yeah. Um, it all depends on how you're registered on title. So first I'll talk about a husband and wife being on title, normally registered as joint tenancy. Yes. Joint tenancy is right of survivorship. Something happens to one of them, it passes on. Everything reverts to the other person. Exactly. Now here's a key point that a lot of people make a mistake on. You have to make sure that your name on title matches your care card. And this is really, really important, especially if you're going as a joint tenant, because when you pass away, your death certificate is what's the name on your care card. So if your care card says John Smith, but your title says John Henry Smith, now you have a discrepancy. So joint tenancy becomes one extra step that you have to go through to resolve that joint tenancy. So it's really important to check your title. And of course, for identity theft, and that's what happens a lot these days, make sure that all your your names, your title, everything is all consistent into one name. And this, Daniel, is is part of what I was talking about in terms of the kits and the do-it-yourself crowd. I mean, those minuscule details. Oh, my middle name was left off one. So what? I'm still that guy. Right. Uh, Well, maybe not in the eyes of the, uh, the people who do the, 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 the will. Right. The, the do-it-yourself stuff is sort of the, I save a few bucks today maybe, yeah. but it costs me, you know, maybe 10 times the bucks down the road. Mm-hmm. And that's, Probate was the word I yes. was thinking of. That's right. where the arguments begin, that's right. right? That's right. So is it important or is it even the law or any kind of requirement, Akash, that you discuss with your beneficiaries what they're going to receive. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, in fact, I, I tell people, like they, they make a will and they go, I'm going to give a copy of each uh, to each one of my children. I'm going to give a copy of the will. I'm like, no, 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 no. They don't need to know that yet. Right. Um, I, I tell clients that when you're making a will, these are your wishes. And I've had husband and, and, and wives come in and I tell them that each of you is having an individual will. It's great. The wills are mirrored and you're discussing it together, but these are individual wishes. Sure. And uh, when you make a will, why we, we tell them not to give copies to everybody is two years down the road, five years down the road, they may wish to change it. Mm-hmm. And today they appoint one of their children or one of their, their sisters as the executor or executrix. And two years down the road, they're not speaking to them. They want to change that. It's very awkward to get uh, a copy of that will back. Let's squeeze in a call here in Surrey. Tom, thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. Yes, can you tell me, if you write up a will, and you say you leave somebody out of it, and that's the way you want it, right? and they contest it, and the judge says, yeah, yeah, you get some, so why write a will if the judge isn't going to fulfill your dream? Well, it's a, your will. it's a fair point, and I'll, I'll, I thank you for it, for putting it out there, because it, it does happen uh, where uh, somebody who doesn't get what they consider to be an equal share of the goodies uh, does hire a lawyer and uh, and challenge the will in court, and sometimes they win. Not always, though, right? No, and Tom, that's a great point, and we, we do get this asked quite a lot. So under the Wills Estate Succession Act, uh, there are some people that are entitled to your estate, regardless of, of what you write in your will. Right, it's the law. It's the law. Right. But here's the situation. In a will, you can define why you're giving a certain amount to somebody and a certain amount to somebody. Right. Or you're not giving to anybody. And, you know, where we have situations where I say, you know, to one son, I gave him, what we were talking about earlier, I gave him $100,000 as a down payment on his property. Right. And I only have $100,000 left in my estate. So if I pass away, it's going to my daughter because she has not received that 100000 Sure. So that's pretty clear. 
Um, if you are not giving to a child because of spite, well, that's a different thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there's there's all these reasons that you can't. But now you've created a hurdle for that person to jump through to get their share of the estate. If you don't make a will, they get it automatically. Okay. I have to leave it there. Tom, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. Lots more information and how to find a notary. All the good stuff is available at notaries.bc. .ca. And uh, we want to just take a second and thank you, Akash and Daniel, for coming in. Daniel, you're off to the, the big gold medal hockey game down That's the right. street here. That's right. Have a great time. Thanks, and happy birthday, sir. Thanks very much. And uh, we really appreciate the conversation. Some outstanding information here, a lot of stuff. And remember, notaries.bc.ca. And on the front page, find a notary by your postal code, by your city, by language, by your last name. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. Thanks, gentlemen. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And we're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Akash Sablak and Daniel Bomber for their appearance with us today. Lots of really useful information, too. Coming up in our next hour, Chris Sims, BC Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. But time now for Duly Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, has a look at PharmaCare changes for BC low-income families. Thanks, Sterling. Lower-income British Columbians are now no longer paying deductibles and co-payments for prescription drugs. Health Minister Adrian Dix spoke to reporters on Friday about the 240,000 families that, as of January 1st, can access the three-year, $105 million investment made by the provincial government. This is $105 million hardwired to people who need it, to seniors, to families with children with chronic diseases, to to people who are struggling and who struggle often with chronic disease, this money is hardwired to them, working families and seniors who have worked, who need this support and will now get it. This is a significant change to the PharmaCare program, and I am very proud of it. British Columbians must register to benefit from the program. Households earning up to 30000 in net income annually no longer have a deductible. Previously, a household earning a net income between fifteen and $30,000 would have to pay between $300 and $600 in deductibles before Fair Pharmacare would start to provide coverage assistance. Families earning under $45,000 in net annual income also benefit from the change, with a decrease in the deductibles and co-payments for British Columbians in that wage range. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news. Are you participating in a dry January? Millions around the world have taken up the habit of eliminating booze completely from their diets for the entire month. But not all in the medical profession think it's a great idea. Researchers at University Hospital in Southampton, England, have concluded that for some, a dry January can be a decoy for the rest of the year. How? Well, if you know you're going to take January off from drinking, you basically give yourself permission to go for it during the holiday season and possibly also for the other 11 months of the year. Here's what the doctors had to say. Quote, giving up alcohol for a dry January as some sort of detox is like maxing out your credit cards all year and thinking you can solve your financial problems by living like a hermit for a month. It just isn't going to make things better. That if you go back to your usual habits in February. The recommendation, well, you, you, you knew it was coming. Simply consistent 
moderate consumption all year long. This from the doctors. The H.R. McMillan Space Center is hosting rather an epic viewing party for one of the big celestial events of 2019. They'll have the observatory open as well. Uh, this is for uh, a lunar eclipse coming up on Sunday, January 20th. That's two weeks from tomorrow at the Vancouver Planetarium. There'll be all sorts of shows. If it's a rainy night, you'll still be able to see it because they'll have it all set up inside as well. Uh, with their And uh, if it is a nice night, well, then you'll have a chance to use the telescope at the observatory. The next total lunar eclipse won't take place until 2021, which makes this event very special. Two weeks tomorrow, Sunday the 20th, uh, starts at 6.30 down there at the H.R. McMillan Space Center in Vanier Park. That is our first hour of Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. Chris Sims from the BC Taxpayers, or the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, BC office is going to join us after CKNW News to 3. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.